Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Giese, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another great show for you. We'll get you set for the Amsterdam Mohawks season in the Perfect Game Collegiate Baseball League with head coach Keith Griffin. And we'll talk some Major League Baseball news with Ken Rosenthal of Fox Sports, The Athletic, and MLB Network. My first guest announced her retirement as head coach of the Union College women's basketball team last week. She amassed 344 victories during her 26-year tenure. She will remain as the head coach of the Union College women's golf team. Here is Mary Ellen Burt. Well, Mary Ellen, uh, welcome to the Party Shots Podcast. Congratulations on a great career at Union, and uh, how are you doing? You know what? I have a tea time in about an hour, so I'm doing very well. And it's a sunny day, finally. <laughs> oh, I haven't picked up a golf club in uh, years. It's uh, My game was bad enough, and if I tried to get out there right now, I'd, I'd be awful. I always play my slice. I've, 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 I've been known for that, so... <laughs> Well, then we'll play for money when we play. Oh, no, 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 no. I can't afford that. <laughs> Although my son just graduated, so maybe I can afford to put a couple bucks down. Anyway, well, congratulations on a great career. What led you to this decision to you know retire as the basketball women's basketball coach? Uh, you know, I think it was the right time, and I've been pretty much planning this for a while. I started the golf team nine years ago kind of in the thought of this would be a great exit strategy if I could, you know, get away from basketball. I love working at the college. I love working with the kids. It would be awesome to start the golf program and then continue it. And you can do that a little bit, you know, later in your career. So I really was going to retire last year and right before the banquet, the pandemic hit. So everybody bugged out of school and it just wasn't the right time to leave anybody or anything and decided to commit one more year to it just to really help the kids along Mm -hmm. and looks like we're in a good spot now and I just thought it was the right time a new coach could come on start fresh with the you know after the pandemic and it just seemed like the right time you just said nine years with the golf team. It's like I, it just seems like yesterday the golf team just started there. <laughs> I know it's gone fast, and you know the program has really taken off, and I'm really excited to you know like get recruiting for the golf team a little bit more and spending more time with the golf kids. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, you, you mentioned you know the pandemic, all that stuff. Uh, what was it like this year, not having games and? Yeah, you know, try to keep the team together, and you know, uh, yeah, basically, basically through Zoom calls and you know, virtual meetings. I mean, how how strange and difficult year was it? It was really strange, and I feel so bad for these kids for everything that they lost this year. But the good thing was they really stayed together, and even our two seniors that very easily could have been like, "Yeah, I'm done with this." They came to every practice, were on every Zoom call, did everything, and really, really kept the kids together. Um, Zoom calls were great, but you could tell everybody was Zoomed out. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the things that Jared, my associate head coach, and I do really well 
is just talk with the kids. So we would go on walks around campus, whether it was with, a, you know, the sophomores and I or individual meetings with the kids and just walk around campus and talk a little bit about the history of the college or, hey, do you know what Pain Gate is all about or do you know this? And it was just a good time to spend some time with the kids, get them out of their room. You couldn't be in an office. You couldn't be anywhere with them but outdoors. So it was cold, but it was great. Yeah. And you know what? I think of all the things I've got to remember about this year, I think those walks were the things that just an unexpected pleasure that I really got out of it. And I think the kids got a lot out of it as well. I mean, what motivated you or what motivated the, the women, you know, knowing they're practicing, 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 but there won't be any games to play? You know, I think it was just that sense of, this is something normal that we do and we all meet at practice and we all hang together. And for that hour or the hour and a half, however long we were allowed to practice that day, it was like the only thing that felt normal to us. Even if we couldn't play offense on defense, even if we were wearing masks, just having a ball in your hand and running and, you know, just being together was the greatest thing. Yeah. And <laughs> for these kids, like they lost, we were supposed to go to Greece last summer. Then we were, lost our season. Then we lost our gym because they turned that into the testing center. And we had half the court, you know, sideways. But you know what? We still made the best of it. And I give those kids a ton of credit for being so resilient and saying, okay, well, we only have three baskets and we have kind of a half court, so let's do it. We still want to be here. Yeah. And they showed up every, you know, every practice. They came and they worked hard and still worked out with our strength and conditioning coach, still did just amazing things in community service when they could or anything that they could do. They were just really resilient kids. Yeah. And that might be the best thing that, I mean, I hate to say a, a good thing that happened from a pandemic, but they learned about resiliency and being flexible. And that that's a good trait to carry on through your life. Yeah. 344 victories in your career at Union. Uh, what stood out the most? Uh, what highlights do you, will you remember? Oh, basketball-wise, probably going to the NCAA tournament and winning an NCAA game in the old field house. That certainly was a lot of fun. And that was the last year we were in the field house. And then it was awesome to play games in the veneer center when it was brand new and watching that being built and having game, you know our first games in there and still walking into the veneer center and just being like wow that's really cool yeah this is you know what a great facility i think the kids you know like boy the different classes that i think back on and you know like the lauren mccormick and erica eisenhout the two all-americans but then there's there's just so many other kids that you go like, oh, yeah, that was a great year. That was a great kid. And I've just been getting so many text messages and emails and Facebook, you know, uh, comments that it's just been really fun to reconnect with so many people and just just a really good time right now. Mm -hmm. uh, what will you miss the most about coaching uh, women's basketball? Oh, boy. Uh, what will I miss the most? I think probably, oof, there's like there's four or five things that are going through my mind right now. Go ahead. I think probably it's that the huddle before a game, 
when like everybody's just excited to play and you know you're ready to go and you're just competing and you have a chance to win um like that that adrenaline rush like i still love that adrenaline rush um i think then the probably the meals with the kids like just hanging out and laughing with them Mm -hmm. and you know sharing a meal although we didn't do that so much this year um you know just just after a nice win of hanging out and enjoying pizza in the stands probably (laughs) talking about the game (laughs) how has the game changed in your time as coach I think I think there's a lot more um, just technology that's involved today. You know, like you get your scouting reports and you get your video clips from a video feed that's online and then you can email it to the kids. And, you know, it's so different than before when you had to literally either watch a game in person or watch it once on an old VHS and write down handwritten notes about things and X's and O's. Like, these kids don't really know what an X and an O stands for anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been a little bit different. But it's so much it's so much better because you can actually show them clips and then talk over it of what you want in your coaching style. So I think the technology definitely changed. And then the pace of the game certainly has changed like you know when we think about our offenses we were always looking for the perfect offense before and screens and rolls and you know all this stuff and now the game is who's got the better athletes and can they go one-on-one and how fast can he get it down and take a shot and um in my mind it's not the the purest basketball anymore it's more of the most athletic basketball which is fine but i think that's the way that it's really changed it seems like the three-point shots really changed the game as well. Because I mean, I, I I see when the box scores come in, not only from your, the Union games, but Siena, you already uh, they're they're taking lots of threes anymore. Is is that do you think that's changed the game as well? Taking the threes has changed, but not making the threes has stayed the same. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think it's opened up a lot of shooting opportunities and. And it should have opened up the key more, I think, on our side, on the women's side especially, to have more room for the post game. But that never really happened in my mind. It's just become a, you know, a dribble drive, penetrate and kick kind of game, which is great. But I guess I'm still of the, you know, I kind of like to run an offense and I kind of like to set some ball screens and see what we can do. And I think our teams have always been very good passing teams. And it just has gone to, you know, penetrate and drive and kick right now. Mm-hmm. So a little different, but doesn't mean it's good or bad. It's just the game has changed a little bit. Yeah. That's okay. And as you mentioned, uh, you are—I mean, you are retiring from uh, the women's basketball team, but you're not going to be retired from Union. You're still going to be the head coach of the golf team. As I mean, you mentioned, nine years now. The programs you start the program. Uh, how has that program grown uh, over the years? <laughs> By leaps and bounds. My first couple of years, it was, you know, hey, do you have clubs? Here, let me, here, use some of my extra ones. Or, you know, okay, let's work on, the, you know, this part of the game. We're now, like, we're getting some really good recruits that have played on the junior tournament circuit that, you know, come in. They're, they're tournament savvy. They know the golf rules. You know, they work with a swing coach at home, so, you know, we can talk kind of to them or 
we work with Jeremy Kerr at Mohawk, the uh, golf professional there who helps us with our swing stuff. And for me right now, it's more of course management with the kids rather than teaching them a swing or anything like that. So that's where we've really come, you know, full throttle is thank goodness I don't have to go over every rule every anymore of you know what to do in a water hazard or what to do out of bounds (laughs) (laughs) you know these kids can just go out and play and they play at a very at a very high level really pleased with the direction the program's taken having a golf simulator on campus definitely helps especially in the winter months and the kids can just go in there anytime and and work on their swing um, having playing at the Mohawk Club, I mean, my goodness, can't get any better than that. Yeah. And, and three miles from campus, so that's been like it's just been a it's a great setup for the golf program to do really well. Um, unfortunately, NYU is in our league, and they're like the defending national champion. So I have my work cut out for me, but you know we'll we'll still go out and compete and have a great time. And you know, kids are exceptionally, you know really strong academically i have the co-valedictorian who's graduating this year another senior is like right up there my team has always had like a 3.6 gpa that's great that's great yeah it's it's a great group and and the basketball kids were right there as well so really good kids to work with yeah well mary ellen i appreciate a few minutes uh congratulations on the great uh coaching career with the women's team and continued success with uh, the women's golf team Thank you so much. I will enjoy my time. (laughs) Coming up, I'll speak with Amsterdam Mohawks baseball head coach Keith Griffin. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. All of us love sports, but not all sports are created equal. College sports have big budgets, dedicated alumni networks, and corporate sponsorships. Professional sports have even deeper pockets. Millionaire owners, lucrative TV and radio deals, and merchandise sales. High school sports have you. Everyone agrees high school sports give us plenty of reasons to cheer. And now's a great time for us to give back. Supporting your hometown high school won't cost you much, but it will go a long way to ensuring the games we love the most are here to stay. New York High School Sports. They're good for our kids, good for our community, and best of all, they're good for you. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is Albany Empire quarterback Tommy Grady. You're listening to Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. My next guest is Keith Griffin. He begins his 12th season coaching the Amsterdam Mohawks of the Perfect Game Collegiate Baseball League. Because of the coronavirus pandemic last year, Griffin was not able to come to Amsterdam from his home in Florida to coach the team. While it played in an independent league after the Perfect Game League canceled its season because of the pandemic. The Mohawks opened their season Thursday at the Mohawk Valley Diamond Dogs and then play their Raoul Family Stadium at Shuttleworth Park opener against the Albany Dutchman on Friday. Here's my conversation I had last week with Keith Griffin. Well, Keith, uh, welcome to the uh, Parting Shots podcast. Appreciate a few minutes. I know as we talk uh, here on Wednesday, 
uh, May 26th. The season starts for you, in a, uh, and obviously, uh, a couple of days from now. But uh, how excited are you to, to be back in Amsterdam? Uh, really excited. I mean, it missed last year because of COVID, and with one the year before, I was looking forward to coming back. I thought we'd really recruited a, a really, really good team, and and then all of a sudden, COVID hits. We can't come, and I know they they uh, they did some type of season, but I was going to be coming in from Florida, and it was a, you know at least a minimum fourteen day. Uh, it was fourteen day. Uh, what am I trying to say? Quarantine. Quarantine. Yeah, fourteen day <laughs> quarantine, and. I, I, there's no benefit with me only going to be up there about five weeks for the season. But So I'm really, really excited about getting back up there. Great baseball town and really got a lot of good friends up there. I just to get started. How tough was it for you last year to sit home and not be able to coach because of the pandemic? It, it, was, it was, you know what, I, I, honestly it was tough because I wanted to do it. But the good thing was I'd, I, I've been there 11 years in a row, so it gave me a nice little break and got me time to spend with my family a little bit more. Now, we didn't get to do much, we, but we you know, we did things inside the house, inside the yard. I mean, you know, those type things. But uh, it was it was really enjoyable not doing it, but I, I'd rather been doing it. But I made the best out of a not-the-best situation by catching up on some family time and catching up on some things that I needed to do around my house. What is it about Amsterdam that keeps you coming back uh, year after year? I mean, you guys have put together solid baseball teams, and as you said here at the top, uh, you won the 2019 uh, Perfect Game Baseball League Championship. What keeps you coming back here? Well, one, I enjoy coaching to begin with. I enjoy the competition. A lot of good coaches in the league, a lot of good players in the league, and I really, really enjoy that. It still still burns inside me that I, I enjoy the competition. The second reason is I tell people all the time, the reason I've been there so many years in a row, it'll be my 12th time up there, is we got, you know, one, we got the greatest fans in the world. And uh, working with Brian every day, you know, from assembling our team to talking about the current team. That's uh, Brian and I have been great friends since I've been there. And uh, then just a chance to coach about, you know, 30 different guys from across the country and help them progress as baseball players is I enjoy that a lot, a lot, and that, and that's uh, that's why I enjoy keep coming up there. How how difficult? I mean, maybe it's not difficult, but uh, yeah, getting this roster together and you know, getting them to mesh in a short amount of time. I mean, how quickly can you get that done? And it seems like you've done that every year. Well, what we do is we Brian and I put our team together. Probably, you know, we, we've been working on this team since August, September of this past year. I mean, so it's you know, it, and it's it, it's uh, it, it's it, there's there's changes. I mean, there's you know, there's somebody drops out, can't come, and you got to pick up a new guy. So you might have picked up a new guy a week ago or three weeks ago, but you basically put the team together, you know, in August and September, and then we just watch them progress and see how they do. Most of the guys that are sent to us are, are sent to us by friends, and they want me to coach a player in the summer because they feel like we're going to give them, you know, make them better, give them a chance, a great opportunity, and, and that's what we've been able to do. Uh, but then to answer your question about the season, what we try to do is we, it takes about 20 games to figure out who you are because you got guys coming from all over, and some guys will be there from open day, and we won't have some guys for two or three weeks. So, you know, it's, it's ever-changing. And then you got to try to find your, you know, who's your starter, who's your bullpen guy. You know what they did in college. 
you know, in their college season. But when you get them, it might be a little bit different. And then you just, you know, try to figure out a lineup that gives you the best opportunity to win. We try to get off, you know, if we're, I feel like if we're 10 and 10 after 20 games and we're learning how to play, I feel like we'll have a really good team those last 28 games. And that's where, you know, you don't win anything in June. I mean, you know, they, 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 you win championships in our league in August. And so, you know, I'm, I, we'll lose a game and I'm not telling you it's going to be, you know, we didn't want to lose, but we'll lose one. That sometimes you just got to lose because we don't have the right guy pitching and lineup's not quite where we want it to be. And we face a guy on, you know, Tuesday night, they got the better pitcher going than we do. And so, you know, I just try to get to be 10 and 10. But know how to play the way we want to play, and if we can do that, I think everything will be good at the end of the year. I mean, I looking at your roster here. I know it's uh, tentative, but uh, you have some uh, some local kids here, in, uh, including uh, Brendan Disanel from uh, from Shen, also uh, Jake Reinish from Shenandoah, uh, Denny uh, Mosier from Saratoga Springs, and uh, Isaac Brown from Troy. How I mean, how important is it to have some local flavor? Well, no, I like, I like having local players. I really do. I mean, I like their parents to come watch them play and for them a chance to develop. And, you know, we have nice crowds and it's, you know, it's, I, I'd, I'd rather have, you know, I mean, I'd, we get, get them from all over, but I really like a local flavor because it's really important to have the fans and, you know, the parents and stands watching them play. That means a lot to us. I mean, we've had a lot of success with local guys. Uh, we have more out-of-town guys, but we have a lot of success with local guys, and we're certainly glad to have them. Of course, you have an assistant coach in Greg Christodoulo, who's over at Shen. Uh, yeah. How important has he been to you? Oh, Greg's been great. I mean, Greg, Greg's been with me now probably, it's probably his fourth or fifth year, and I'm not sure because they start running together. <laughs> Greg's been a constant in our staff. We And generally after that, we, we change. I, I, I like changing coaches every year. And part of my obligation to me is giving back to baseball because it's been good to me. What I do is I bring in a new, I generally bring in a new pitching coach and a new, you know, my main, you know, kind of my hitting guy, my younger guy. I bring those guys in brand new every year. And I kind of tell them, this is kind of going to be a one year deal. We want you to learn how to do it. And then we want you to go, go do it somewhere else after that so that you can impact somebody's baseball career like you know mine has been impacted but greg is has been the constant and the consistent thing in our program and that's why he's been back four or five years and we've had a great relationship working together and greg greg is an outstanding and very very knowledgeable baseball coach and i've, I've enjoyed working with him i mean how do you see this team this year do you see uh, this team contending for the title again oh i'd, I'd rather be us than anybody else mm-hmm. but that you know but we got a you know, they got to come there and buy in and do what we're asking them to do. But I think we have a very, very talented roster. I mean, you know, we're, uh, we have position players I think will be very good. Uh, we got some really good players that have really nice springs for their team. And then we got some pitchers. I think we got some arm strength. Yeah, my, I, I'm going to question a little bit till I see them play a little bit. You know, their, their secondary pitches and their control and their command. And and, that, and and that's with every team. I mean, I, even the teams, we, I've been there 11 years, we won 17. I still have those same concerns about those teams, and they, they proved me, you know, they proved us right that we, we got the right guy, and hopefully this group will too. But, I mean, it, I say this every year, I'd rather be us than them. And, I, and I, that's the way I feel about it. I mean, I like what we've done. I like who's showing up. 
and we'll get them all there together and we'll get them all to, you know, the way to play that we want to play, then I think we'll have a really good team. Yeah. How important are the host families to the Mohawks? You know, being like- no, they've been great. I mean, that, you know, that, and, and, and that, you know, that might take a little hit with uh, COVID. You know, some of those people might not or be a little skeptical after a year of, you know, locked up and, you know, what's going on in the world today. But no, those host families are great. I mean, it, and let me say this. As much as, and, and I say this, and I, as much as they give our players, by the time that summer's over, they're really, really hate to see that kid go. I mean, you know, he becomes almost a part of the family, and it's been been a great tradition of ours. Uh, it might not be, it, you know, because of due to COVID, just due to COVID strictly. You know, I, I'm a baseball guy, and, and if I had, you know, uh, you know, I, if I got a college guy coming in. I think you might meet that with a little skepticism, but, you know, I think everybody thinks that everything's all right. I mean, you know, I've had my two shots. I hope everybody's vaccinated. Let's go play. Let's open up our country again and go do what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. You open up Thursday at the Mohawk uh, Valley Diamond Dogs, then the home opener Friday against the Albany Dutchman. What do you think it's going to be like that that for that home opener. I mean, how much emotion uh, for you, the players? Oh, I mean, I, you know, I don't know the crowd wise, you know, I mean, but me, me being back is always really excited. I mean, you know, we play, we play Nick, Nick and I, are good friends, and we've been friends since we've been in this thing. They'll be the home opener, and I think we play Mohawk Valley, as you said. That's been a that's been a rival of ours, and so, no, nah, it'll be great. I mean, I, I can't wait to get there and you know get our team going and. Like I said, the only, my only drawback is our team will be there for two, three weeks, maybe a month, all of them, but so be it. I mean, you know, we'll play the guys that we got. We'll coach them the best we can and give them every opportunity to come in there and get off their good start. And, and But it, it, it's exciting. I can't wait to get there. I mean, I, I'm flying in on Monday and we'll practice Tuesday and Wednesday and then we'll try to put, uh, you know, we'll try to put a good uh, – uh, package on the field on Thursday and, and realizing that we're going to get better. I mean, I'm not worried. I know we're going to get better, but, you know, hopefully we've got enough players early that we can play with these guys and see how that goes. But I, I can't wait to get there and see those people again. How long do you want to keep doing this, Keith? I'm retiring this year. All right. And this is my 12th year up there. I, I don't know. I, I've had a knee replacement surgery. I'm just getting over that. And my health's good, and and my wife knows I enjoy it. I, I you know, I, I don't want to put a, a end of it. I mean, could this be the last year? It could be. I mean, but you know, I mean, I I kind of really look forward to. Really, I think now we look forward even more because I'm not working during the year. I mean, you got to realize, for eleven years in a row, I get out of school today, fly up there tonight, and we. have Lucky enough to have been in the championship and get through, you know, at eleven o'clock tonight. And I got to fly back in the morning at six, and I go right back to work. And I've done that eleven years in a row, so I'm kind of looking forward to not having to come back and uh, you know staying a little bit longer. And uh, so I think this is just maybe renew things and get things going again and make it you know what look really looking forward to coming up there for the two two and a half months of the summer. Because I won't be going to work every day. Well, Keith, I appreciate a few minutes. Good luck this season, and uh, hopefully, get a chance to come out and uh, see you, see you guys play some games. Yeah, I, you know, I sure do appreciate. Uh, thank you for your time. 
can. I mean, if there's, you know, anything we can do to help, we look forward to it. And we look forward to a, a big baseball year this coming year. I hope to see all the fans out. And I'm sure that everybody can get a seat. We'll be out there opening night. We look forward to having a great year. Thank you. Coming up, Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic. Fox Sports and MLB Network joins me to talk some Major League Baseball here on the Parting Shots Podcast. Sign up for the weekly Daily Gazette sports newsletter. The newsletter features updates on the local sports scene from our staff writers, debate on topics local and national, and reveals the latest guests for the Parting Shots podcast. The newsletter is free. To sign up, head to dailygazette.com. Hi, this is Pete Incavillia, manager of the Tri-City Valley Cats and former major leaguer. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette associate sports editor and upstate New York's biggest Philadelphia Phillies fan, Ken Schott. Back on the Party Shots podcast, and Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic, Fox Sports, and MLB Network joins me now to talk a little baseball. Ken, welcome back to the podcast. And let's start with the Marcel Ozuna situation as we speak here on Tuesday. What's the latest? The latest is that MLB is going to conduct an investigation. He is out of jail on bond and unable to have contact with his wife. So there'll be two things going on at once, parallel tracks the MLB investigation, and, of course, the court proceedings. And MLB can suspend him without a charge or a conviction. Now, here there has been a charge, but it's going to have to play out some. And the real question is what happens when, for instance, his suspension is over or MLB even makes a decision. Do the Braves decide to keep Marcelo Zuna when they've got him for three more years at big money? Or do they release him? Do they try to trade him? Do they try to go after his contract? Now, no player who has been suspended for domestic violence has been in a situation where the team went after his contract. So there's no precedent for that. Obviously, if he's in jail or if he pleads guilty to a felony, then it might be a different story. Obviously, we've seen some situations with other teams. uh, uh, Herman with the Yankees, uh, Herrera with the Phillies, but they're still with their teams. I mean, what can we evaluate from those situations that compared to this? Well, I don't know how to compare exactly what happened because I don't know full details on any of them. Mm-hmm. And certainly Ozuna is entitled to due process, and he will get that from both MLB and presumably the court system as well. So what you're asking, I think, Ken, is what happened to those guys? Well, the Phillies kept Herrera. They had him signed for, I believe, $21 more million after this incident occurred with him, his suspension, and they didn't want to eat that money. And with Herman, he's a young guy, he's cheap, um, still not even eligible for arbitration, but the Yankees thought, well, because he's young, he's promising, we don't want to get rid of him. So we've never seen a team, well, actually, it's not true. We've seen teams get rid of guys, but more commonly with domestic violence suspensions since 2015, there have been 13. More commonly, the teams have kept them, and in one case, the Astros with Roberto Azuna, they traded for him while he was suspended. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, a, it's just an uh, interesting situation. Well, let's talk about this one, another big topic in baseball right, right now, the lack of offense. Uh, it's, it seems like you know, we saw at one point the Seattle Mariners as a team were batting 199. What 
can be done to get offense going? Are we, are we too stuck on analytics and launch angles? Well, that's part of it, Ken. I believe certainly that the hitting approach, which is kind of an all-or-nothing approach right now, leads to all-or-nothing, right? Home runs or strikeouts or walks, I guess, the three true outcomes. Now, there's been a lot of talk about what can be done with the mound, whether you lower it or more likely perhaps move it back. There's talk of what you can do with the strike zone. Uh, perhaps lower the strike zone to make it more difficult for pitchers to get that high fastball and use it so effectively. And, of course, we've had a foreign substance issue with regard to what the pitchers supply to balls and how that has affected spin rate and velocity and all of that. So it's probably, can a multifaceted solution. I'm not sure exactly what the solution is, but... It's pretty clear when Don Mattingly, one of the most respected people in the sport, calls the game unwatchable, then it's time to do some things. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree, especially you get those extra innings and teams, instead of trying to move runners up, you know, when they have that automatic runner on second base, they're not, not sacrificing to move them up. It's like they want to just you know, try to bully the ball out of the ballpark. Right, and... That's the trend in the game. The trend is toward power, both in pitching and in hitting. We've seen with pitching, what do teams do? They use guys in as short burst as possible and get the most out of them, let them throw as hard as they can, spin it as hard as they can. And one other solution that probably, I guess, is the most likely, or at least maybe the most realistic, and I didn't mention that in the initial question, is shrinking the pitching staff. So maybe you make it so you can have only 11 pitchers on a staff or 12. Then, as a manager, you can't simply use a guy for an inning and do it that way, or you can't use a starter for three innings. You're going to have to make a better use of your staff, and that is another possibility. That would prevent guys from throwing as hard in short bursts because they'd be asked to do more. I'd love to go back to the old days when I would see Ron Reed pitch three innings of relief and uh, uh, th- those kind of days. Uh, that's that's to me. That's that's baseball, not what we see right now. Well, I'm kind of with you, Shannon, <laughs> and I don't like a lot of what I've seen. And I, I failed to mention the shift too. That's going yeah. to be mm-hmm. something that's discussed with regard to offense. And it, it, clearly, we need more offense, and clearly, we need more action. And I'm not just talking about home runs as action. I'm talking about singles, going first to third, doubles, triples, all the things that let these guys have their athleticism flow. And that's been getting lost here. Stolen bases are basically non-existent now. That's what we need to get back to. Yeah. And I I also think we have a situation with the umpires, uh, when they're calling balls and strikes, we had that strike zone and super pros on television, and half the times they're calling pitches down the middle or you know, in the zones, balls, and then the same pitch comes and they'll call them strikes. And and, and I think the catchers get away with so much framing anymore. It's just, yeah. I mean, at, at the point, I, I would like to see somebody, yeah, I, don't, I mean, if we go to this automatic strike zone, with the uh, maybe that's, that stops the framing. Well, yes, it would. And the automatic strike zone is something they're t- tinkering with right now and toying with in A-ball, one of the A-ball leagues. And that has its problems, too. And, of course, that has to be fully vetted before baseball could adopt it and say, okay, we're good with this. But framing is a skill that, because of the way umpiring is, has developed in recent years, and some catchers are quite good at it. Now, to me, 
it shouldn't be a skill at all. A strike is a strike. Yeah. It shouldn't depend on the catcher's framing of the strike, but the automatic strike zone would do something to alleviate that issue. Yeah. Uh, Joe Girardi is in some hot water with the fans and the media in Philadelphia with his handling of the Bryce Harper situation. Now he's going to he's come out and say he's not going to tell him what the injury is. It's, uh, what is the situation with Girardi? I mean, is he uh, losing faith? Uh, are people losing faith in him? I don't know that people are losing faith in him, and a lot of fans don't like the media anyway, so they probably don't care. But what people are entitled to, in my opinion, is a reasonably honest assessment of where players are physically. And that's part of the job. The manager's the spokesman of the team, and he has to answer those questions. Now, there are times, as Joe Girardi has mentioned, it's a competitive advantage to say, hey, this guy's hurt, we can't use him today. We all get that. But... It doesn't seem that the 29 other managers are having problems navigating this, so he should be able to do it as well. And it's simply a matter of communicating and being somewhat transparent to the public. We understand, even reporters understand, sometimes the manager doesn't want to give away, let's say a guy's got a hamstring and he really is not available today, the manager's not going to want to announce that. But when Bryce Harper is out of the lineup, when he's not even wearing a jersey on the bench, and you're saying he's fine, and then that becomes a question. Yeah. And finally, it's uh, the Noah Syndergaard situation with the Mets. He had a setback. He was taken out of a rehab start. He's been shut down again. Uh, what's his future, and what, 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 do you, what do you think is going to happen with him? Well, it's going to be some more time now before he comes back, and this is a contract year for him. He is eligible for free agency. So... The Mets have to, actually, I'm not even sure about that. He might be just eligible for arbitration. But regardless, the Mets are going to have a decision on him. And if he hasn't pitched, they may simply decide, eh, we don't want to take the chance on bringing him back. And some other team would then sign him. But that's for the future. Really, the question is, can he come back and help the Mets this season? And that remains to be seen. That's going to be the issue here. He was on track for mid-June. Now it's going to be probably August at best, so we'll just have to see how that all develops. I'm going to check on the contract, King, because I'm annoyed that I don't know this. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> Hold on. Bear with me. That's okay. Bear with me. <laughs> but... going to get it right now. No Syndergaard is. <laughs> yeah, he's eligible for free agency after this year. Okay. So they have a decision on it, yes. And the way the Mets are playing right now, I mean, they, they, they're starting to get their act together and the rest of the National League East. I mean, the Mets could run away with this division. It's amazing. I was looking this morning. They're next to last in runs per game. They're ahead of only the Pirates in scoring. But they lead the league in ERA. And DeGrom and Stroman have been really good. They've now got Seth Lugo back and Pete Alonso came back and Pilar. Some of their injured players are starting to return. And the rest of the division seems pretty flawed. And the Braves without Azuna for however long they're going to be without him. Remember, he's injured. And then He's going to have to deal with some discipline, most likely. The Phillies are a mess. The Marlins are not quite there. And the Nationals are struggling. So, yes, the Mets right now look like the best team in a flawed division. Yeah. Well, Ken, I appreciate a few minutes uh, talking baseball with you. I know you're a busy schedule. And, uh, again, appreciate it. We'll help you get, get you back down the line for more conversation later in the season. Ken, take care, man. Thank right, you. That's Ken Rosenthal. We'll be back to wrap up the podcast. And we'll have the latest winner of the Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest.
The NASCAR season is here, and it's time to play the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest. Go to dailygazette.com to sign up and play. Predict the order of finish of each race via your auto racing account. The fan with the most correct points for the race will win a $50 grocery card and have their name mentioned on the Party Shots podcast and printed in Friday's Daily Gazette. The fan with the most overall points at the end of the season wins a $250 grocery card. You can also win a $75 Visa gift card provided by Second Street if you're the weekly national winner. If you are the overall national winner, you will win a trip for two to the 2022 Daytona 500. So go to dailygazette.com, sign up, and play today. The Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not associated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Hi, this is Brett Samuels, White House reporter for The Hill and a former Daily Gazette staff writer. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast. The Week 15 winner in the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest is Tom Fonda of Scotia. Tom wins a $50 grocery card. Congratulations, Tom. The VIP winners were my Daily Gazette colleague Jim Schultz and Jerry Peel of Frank and Sons. I'll be announcing the weekly winner of the contest, and that winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I would like to thank Mary Ellen Burt, Keith Griffin, and Ken Rosenthal for coming on the show. The Parting Shots podcast is now available on Audible. Subscribe today. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.